Timothy 1, 5 through 9. And then we'll look at Genesis 28, 10 through 16. Uh, tonight I will uh, talk about and discuss um, our final lesson that we normally don't actually use. And this lesson will talk more about our spiritual heritage. And so this is not our grandparents' religion or heritage or faith, but it's also ours. And so we'll get into our lesson tonight. Amen. Second Timothy, chapter 1, verse 5. Second Timothy, chapter 1, verse 5. The word of the Lord says in Second Timothy, chapter 1, verse 5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelled first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of the hands for God had not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord nor of me his prisoner but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who had saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. Genesis 28, verse 10. Verse 10 says, And Jacob went out from Beersheba, and went towards Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night, because the sun was set. And he took off the stones of that place and put them for pillows and laid them down in that place to sleep. We don't do that anymore. Taking a journey because it's too dark, we can't see, we can't go any further. We got our cars, we turn on our lights, and we just go. But this dude, or our forefathers back then, when they were traveling, they had to travel by camels, donkeys. Um, and when it got dark, they had to stop and rest for the night if they didn't continue, if they didn't fulfill their journey. And that's how they traveled. Me and you today, we can travel anytime we want. And so verse 12 says, And he dreamed... And behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angel of the Lord, the angels of God, ascending and descending on the ladder. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereupon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed." And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east, 
and to the north and to the south, and in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee. It's heavy. I got to ask the Lord that question. So will you leave him after? But he says, I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee. It's safe to say, if you are following what God has instructed you to do, God is with you. The question is, are you following what God is telling you to do? When you do what you want, God is not working with you. But when you do what God say to do, God is with you. This is what he says. I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken unto thee. Verse 16, and Jacob awakened out of his sleep, and he said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. We'll talk a little bit tonight about the heritage of your faith. The heritage of your faith or understanding your spiritual heritage. We need to talk about that tonight. If I could say something that will, one word that will probably um, discuss or describe what we will go over tonight, I probably would say the one word would be reflection. Reflection. I felt like this was, uh, this lesson was right on point. We're at the end of the year. And I don't know about you, I usually try to reflect at the end of the year what all transpired uh, throughout the year. I just don't go into the next year without reflecting of what went on in the year that we're coming out of. Because I always try to improve in every area in my life, especially my spiritual life. That's really the one that I pay attention to to improve. And so I try to reflect and see what transpired spiritually over the course of 2017 so I can strive to make 2018 better. And so tonight is a good night to reflect so we can look at our life and look at where we're coming from and hopefully understand where we're going so we can be more effective, be more successful, be more accomplished in 2018. Um, Sunday, I believe I'll have a word that will help you to not make resolution, but how to make 2018 more accomplished spiritually than 2017. And so, um, Sunday will be very important for us to be here. I, f I feel like that would be the word of the Lord that will help us to understand how we're going to go through 2018 to accomplish the things that God has set forth for you to accomplish. No doubt Jacob's heart was racing as he thought about what had happened. Just like his father and his grandmother, Jacob had experienced God. The God of all creation had visited him and given him a promise that had up till that point been only a story from previous generation. So in Jacob's life, remember Jacob, grandfather Abraham, Jacob, father Isaac, Jacob is now the next generation. And Jacob has heard stories 
of his grandfather and his father of what they experienced of this God, the unseen, the the the, the God uh Jehovah God. They 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 were able to tell Jacob about all the great things that God had done, but Jacob had not experienced what God had done. Parents, I'm telling you, all of us must know this. If you uh raise if you're raising your children in church, um most children that are raised in church will tell you quickly that while they're going to church and when they, you know, had come to church with their parents, they came out of obedience. They didn't come because they wanted to know who Jesus is. They didn't come because they were spiritual. They came because they were a child. They were under your roof. They were your child. And you said, you're going to church. So I'm sure Isaac brought Jacob to the assembling of the people of God, whether Jacob wanted to go or not. But that's what happens to children who are born to people that fear God. And so our children will come to church because we bring them, but not until they get their own experience with God will their life change in God. They have to get their own experience in God. But here is something very important for us to know and understand as, as parents. They may never get that experience if you don't continue in God. I know we like to see results quickly. I know we want to see God do something in their life, but God is going to work on his own timetable. And your children have no hope almost if you don't stay the course regardless of what you experience, regardless of what you encounter. If you believe that this God is worth passing down to your children, you better not miss it. You better stay the course no matter what you're going to go up against. You need to stay the course because the the, the, the opportunity your children will get spiritually is all depending on what you are doing. What are your God doing for you? You know, one of the things that, that I think mess with our children is if we are parents and we're going to church and we're doing the things of God, but our children are looking at our life and not seeing that there's something different about their mommy and their daddy, that God is doing something in their mom or dad's life that is not going on in other people's life. It's going to be hard to convince your children that they need to work, live for God. Don't get quiet on me. Uh-huh. But God has to, God is going to work in your life if you're following God. See, we want God to work in our life, but we want to do what we want to do and then say, God, you know I love you. I've been saved. You know, I got baptized in your name and I'm living for you so I know you love me. And you, No, no, that's not how it works. We follow the plan of God and God will be with us as we follow the plan with God, the plan of God. God has a plan for every one of us. And as we follow the plan, God shows up and do great things in our life. If we could ever get this little concept, this little concept, you ready for this little concept? Somehow we, we are challenged in following God. Because we feel like if I do all that stuff for God, then what about me? That's, that's a little trick. What good parent 
don't give their child the desires of their heart when they're obedient. Brother D, you know, your son go to college, he a good student, everything. He make sure he got a nice little car. Why? Because he's doing what you told him. Remember that about God. Never forget that about God. Because I think sometimes we get, we, we, we get off course or we get off track with God because we feel like we have to do something for ourselves because nobody's doing it for us. Can I tell you, God sees everything. And he loves you so much. He's saying, just be a good child to me and I'll give you the desires of your heart. He said it in his word. In Psalms 37 verse 5. Delight yourself in the Lord and I'll give you the desires of your heart. How many of us not getting the desires of our heart? The answer is easy. You probably just didn't delight yourself in God. It's not hard. If you're not getting what you want, you're probably not delighting yourself in God. If you're making things happen in your life, if you're forcing things to happen, if you got to, you know, dig deep in your pocket all the time and work overtime and all that stuff, then maybe you're not delighting yourself in the Lord. Because God wants to give you the desires of your heart. But the way how that will happen is if you follow God's plan and purpose for your life. So, Abraham followed his purpose, Isaac followed his purpose, Jacob followed his purpose, and it wasn't until Jacob began to follow his purpose that now God was able to begin to speak to him and show him that he had a purpose. And so now Jacob got his own experience with God. That's all you can ever ask for is for you to be committed to God to the, to until and be that example until your child or your children get their own experience with God. Once they get their own experience, There's nothing too much you can do because then God will reveal himself to them in the way he needs to so they can determine for themselves if they're going to follow him or not. So we got to stay the course. This spiritual spiritual heritage Jacob had only heard about from his father and now become real to him. So he's heard about this Jehovah God, but it, it was never real to him until he was able to experience God for himself. We should seek to understand our spiritual heritage. You know, young people, children, uh, if you would also, I remember Brother Readout always say this, and I've said this before because I think it's really true. The teacher's responsibility is to teach, but the student also have a responsibility, and that is to learn. You know, a lot of times we want to think we go to class and we sit, let's see what this teacher's going to say. Well, are you ready to learn? And if you just come because the teacher should teach, because that's what the teacher do, but you're not ready to learn, then you are not carrying out your part, your responsibility in the matter of teaching and learning. And so children and young people, uh, you need to find out from your parents sometimes about this God that they're talking about to you, this God that they're trying to pass down. You need to ask them questions about this God that, they're, that, that they say they're following. You need to know that because you need to understand what you're following after. What What is it that your, your parents are trying to tell you about this God? And so you can ask enough questions so eventually you can know this God for yourself and not just through your parents. 
None of us would have what we have today spiritually if it were not for the efforts of somebody else. Nobody in this room, outside of this room that's following Christ, got Christ on their own. It was somebody else's effort. Somebody was doing something. Uh, somebody was living for God. For some of us, um, it wasn't a, a, a grandparent or a great grandparent. It was just, it just came away that God would have it to come. But somebody did something for you to get this. While we may be the first in our immediate family to follow Jesus or embrace the truth of the word of God, we must realize that what we are experiencing came from God, that came from God was made possible because those who came before us. We should never have a bad word to say about anyone that came before us and allow us to experience God. Doesn't matter what they do, but I always say we can't put a price on somebody teaching you the truth. There's tradition out there. There are teaching out there about God that can't get you saved. And so you got to think, my God, you are that good to me that you led me to some place, to someone where I really got taught what the Bible says, that I have this opportunity to have eternal life and have a relationship with you. That is that is not just anything. You could be a, a religious, traditional person going to church and. Letting somebody read the Bible to you and you don't really get it, but every once in a while they, they talk about a good message that resonate with you and you, and you walk away saying, that wasn't bad today. And, and you just go home. Nothing after that. You go and sit on your couch and have you a glass of wine or, you know, have you a strong drink or something and that you just call it a day. Cause you're in a traditional place. You could have been in that place. Mm. The writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, admonish us to consider those who came before us when he wrote this. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So the writer of Hebrews is letting us know that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. There are people that have lived this life before us, died off and went on to be with Jesus, and still some that are elders now that have lived this life before us, and they are witnesses to say, this work, Jesus is real. We need to thank God for those people. Oh, yes. In that same Right before that passage in in, in Hebrews chapter 12, that was the, uh, it was Hebrews chapter 11, which is the Hall of Fame of Faith, which is all those people that the Bible lists as people who had faith. And so we need to realize there are people that came before us and they made it. And so if we will realize if they made it, then we can make it. We can make it if they made it. Understanding our spiritual heritage will help us personally experience more of God. Listen, if you will hear the stories of those that came before us, guess what you'll do? You'll start to wonder if God will do that for you too. Yeah. Talk to people that's been in God for a long time. How did you come to God? What did God do for you? And hear their stories. And I'm sure when you hear their stories, it's going to make you just get 
uh, excited and encouraged to, to know that, you know what, that can happen for me because we are, we understand that the Bible says God is no respect of persons. So if God did it for them, he will do it for me too. But we have to talk to those that came before us, that, that was living for God, walking with God for a long time, so we can find out from them what they experienced, and that will encourage us to know we can experience it too. We should seek to understand spiritual spiritual journey of our church, this church, Understand it. We're young, so you all understand it. Let's see what happens as the Lord leads us as we get older. See if we're going to forget about it. <laughs> it would be wise to learn about the history of the church of the living God, the development of the early church, the life of Christ, spiritual experiences of those in the Old Testament. Uh, one of the things that I like to always tell you to do is to read the book, the Bible, and learn how the ways of God is and learn how the generations before us were so we can actually understand some of the things that we're going through. Sometimes we're, we're, we're fret, fretting about things that we're going through and wondering about them. And the reason why we do that is because we're not reading. Because if you read, you will see what you're dealing with is not something brand new. It's not something that that's going to destroy you. Others came before you that went through those same things and, and they watched God work in their life and set them up for success. Our spiritual heritage should be appreciated. We, we, we need to always tell those that are before us and those that are helping us that we know has been in this thing longer than us. I appreciate your steadfastness. I appreciate you walking with God. I appreciate you just never deviating because that helps me to know how real God is. I appreciate it because sometimes people get weary and sometimes people feel like, you know what? This is tough, but they, if they will talk to someone that's been around that, that knows what God is doing and, and can talk to them about it, that will help them. While we do not always have a biological spiritual heritage, we all have been recipients of some kind of spiritual heritage. So while your, your great great grandmother or great great grandfather may not have been the one that was living for God and passed it down to you, you still have a spiritual heritage. Yeah. And it's incumbent upon you at some point in time to embrace that spiritual heritage and pass that thing down. Yes. This spiritual heritage many times has its roots in just an invitation given. Somebody may have invited you to church. A Bible study may have been taught to you. A conversation at work or a Sunday school class may have been taught to you. You may have been in the Sunday school class and got taught. Our experience with God is the collective response of people over many generations who have given us the opportunity to experience God for ourselves. We should appreciate those who have labored to dig out truth that was buried in traditionalism. There's some people that, you know, you hear the story that there were times where talking in tongues were uncool. Yeah, there were people that tell you, man, people used to have a problem with them. Oh, that's the devil stuff you got going. They talked in tongues and people said, that's the devil stuff. 
You know, people didn't go to a Pentecostal church. They, they holiness people, you know. They used to be afraid of Pentecostal people. And now they have lived, many of them have lived the seed today where everybody wants some Pentecostal experience. <laughs> but there was a time where people was like, no, we don't mess with those Pentecostal people. They're crazy. They're loonies. And they, they do that stuff, talking in tongue stuff. Oh, that's like, that's like devilish. And they run around and they shout and they cry and all of that stuff. That's just mm-mm, not going to no Pentecostal church. Now, people are saying, oh, we want that. They got something different than us. But think about those that's been in this a long time. They had to endure that. They had to deal with that. You know, I always talk about one of the things I talk about is, you know, we're experiencing even as um a world, a society now. Years ago, um, when a foreigner came to the United States, you were kind of talked about, mocked, and you didn't fit in. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. And and nowadays, we have become so global, and uh, people are more traveled, people are more educated. All of this stuff is going on now. People realize, oh, okay. And so now it's cool to to to, to be cultured. It's cool now to be multicultured. It's cool now to know people from different countries and, you know, uh, different places in our world. But long time ago, if you're not from here, we, we don't mess with you. That's how it used to be. And so the people that stayed the course that got laughed, laughed at and talked about and, and mocked and all those, they, they still here today, still standing, but they had to go through some ridicule. They had to go through some mocking. Just to be here today. So we got to appreciate people that stayed the course and kept things going just so we can know who Jesus Christ is today. Mm-hmm. Did you ever stop to see how did you come to know Christ? Did, did you stop to realize who was it that, that had a hand in you knowing Christ? Those are things that we need to think about sometimes. We need to send a little note to somebody, maybe that that had a hand in you coming to Christ. We need to uh, just appreciate, you know, people that had a hand in you coming to know Christ. Our spiritual heritage should lead us to our own personal experience. It was Jacob's spiritual heritage that ultimately set him up to have his own personal experience with God. He would have known nothing about God had it not been for the influence of his father and grandfather. The stories and blessings of the previous generation place him on the path to have his own personal experience with God. Trust me, it doesn't sound like much, but if you talk to people, this is it's important. You know, we don't realize, sometimes we fellowship and you know, we can have a great spiritual experience in church, then we start fellowshipping, and then we start talking carnal stuff. But sometimes when we fellowship, we need to share our testimony. Just sit around, eating. After service, New Year's Eve, after, after our New Year's Eve watch night service, we'll have some breakfast. We can sit around and eat. Talk to people. How did you ever end up in church? Who was the one that invited you to church? What are some of the things that you've experienced since you've been living for God? We can help each other like that. 
And a lot of times you'll realize that you start hearing from people and you'll realize, you know, I'm going to be all right. Because what you thought was just the worst. Man, I talk to people all the time. Stop thinking your situation is so bad. Man. People always think their situation is really worse than the next person. I'm just like, you have no idea. How many people have you spoken to to know if your situation is really bad? Your situation not that bad. Don't be too high and don't be too low on anything that's going on in your life. This is why the Bible says do everything in moderation. Don't be too high and don't be too low. Don't think that the situation is just so bad. Oh, it's so bad. You don't understand. I don't have to understand, but it's not as bad as you think. Right? And sometimes when you think something is really good, it's not as good as you think. Yeah, we got to be balancing our, in, in, in the way that we operate. But always remember, your situation is not as bad as you think. And got to keep on slipping this in because it's, it's so important right now. If you want to stay in God, don't let anything become so important that you talk more about that thing than you do about God. I'm, I'm, listen, I just gave you a hundred dollar um, gift. Listen to me. I, I've seen it. I watch it all the time. Everybody that end up walking away from God. They had a little situation and they talked about it enough that the little situation became a big situation. It wasn't big. It's just because they put the time in it. It wasn't big. You put the time in it. And you just kept putting the time in it. And that time that you're putting in it means you're putting that time in it and you're not putting no time in Jesus. And sooner or later, whatever you put the most time in will consume you. And you'll have the knowledge to know, I know I should go to church. I know I should do this. But truth be told, you can't even do it now because you're consumed by the situation because you strengthened that situation by just kept on talking about it, kept on talking about it, kept on talking about it. Sometimes you just got to shut your mouth about stuff. I'm, I'm not telling you to ignore it like it's not happening. I'm just saying, don't empower it. The more you keep talking about it, the bigger it gets. But the, the opposite is true as well. The more you keep talking about Jesus. The more you keep talking about spiritual things, the more powerful you become. So it worked both ways. You have to figure out what you're going to allow to be empowered in your life. What is going to consume you? What is going to be the greatest thing in your life? It is going to be your problem or is it going to be Jesus? Very important. That's the biggest thing that I watch more than anything else. I remember talking to someone not long ago. And, and, and I saw the road that they were going down because they were telling me, you don't understand. This is going on and that's going on and that's going on and that's going on. And if, and one of the things I set out and told them, I said, listen, you making this thing bigger than it is because you can handle this and you can handle that. Some people have problems that they really and truly need help with. Some of us have problems we can take care of, but we won't take care of it. <laughs> right, let me keep on moving on that. 
We should use our spiritual heritage as a springboard for following God into our future. We should use our spiritual heritage as a springboard for following God into our future. I I never thought This is interesting. If you are willing to just submit to God, God will do some things that will blow your mind. And I watched for years my pastor growth in God. And I just watched it. Never thought much of it other than just supporting him and encouraging him and standing behind him. But you want to you want me to tell you something kind of interesting. A lot of the things that my pastor have experienced in his growth in God, I've taken the same path. I didn't plan it. Um, when my pastor was coming up, he... He, he, he had a certain group of people that he was kind of connected with, but he wasn't connected with everybody. And because of that, a lot of people was jealous over him because he, you know, had connection with certain people. The church did well and people would, you know, be jealous of him, you know, because there were people that felt like, you know, they could do better, you know, and they're wondering, man, how's that pastor doing so well? And people were jealous of him. And then, um, God gave him favor. And he was able to become what we call the same position I'm in today. The the, the district, um, back then they called them home missions director. I be, He was the home missions director. And I became the home missions director. Well, today we call it North American mission director. And just was, and, and just was connected to certain people that, you know, was able to help things along. And... It's amazing that when you pay attention to what the what people are doing that came before you, when the things of God begin to happen in your life, you have some kind of reference point. But if you weren't paying attention and weren't appreciating what was happening in the life of those people, then when it when it comes to you, you, you will have been like, okay, whatever. Remember, I tell you this. I always say this. I don't start talking a lot of times about a lot of things because here's my motto. And maybe there's a, I don't know, 1%, 2% chance that I'm wrong in this. But I don't start talking to you about something if I don't see you interested in it. We we can We can... We can pretend sometimes that we're interested in something, but I don't like to waste time. And to pretend that you're into something and me go through the whole process of making, getting you on board, getting you going and everything like that, and then really you weren't really interested in it. I think that's wasting everybody's time. And so I I stay quiet on a lot of things. If 
put it like this. If if you if 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 I don't come to you and say something to you about something and you're saying, he, why isn't he talking to me about it? Because you don't show no interest in it. I just I just you don't have to read my mind. I just told it to you. Why don't he come? Because you don't show any interest. And my deal is I don't want to talk you into something. I want to see the hunger in you. I want to see the desire in you to want it. Then I'm coming to you. But if you're just like, it goes back to what this lesson that we're talking about is, if you care about your spiritual heritage, if you care about the, the people that are before you, if you care about that God has taken you somewhere, then you're going to go to people and says, hey, what about this and what about that? You're asking questions because you feel like God is going to take me somewhere. I know right now, I'm just, I've just been in the church just a little bit of time, but God is going to take me somewhere, so I need to go and ask somebody about something once I start feeling like, you know what, I need to know about this. But sitting back and waiting for someone to come to you, to me, and like I said, maybe 2% of the time I'm wrong, to me, um, you're not interested. So when I'm walking around full of information and I don't speak it, in my opinion, you're not interested. When you become interested, I give it all to you, whatever you want. But you got to be interested. You got to be interested in your spiritual heritage in order to move forward. You got to want to know more about it. You 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 you, you got to want to dig up some things and like, how did this ever happen? How did we get to this point? It can't just be, well, I'll sit here until something happens. Remember what I told you. Jesus never chose people that just was sitting around. Nobody that Jesus got on board on his, 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 his 12, they were just sitting around. Jesus chose people who was already doing something. And so all he did was, okay, you was being a fisherman and you was a great fisherman. Now I don't want you to fish for fish anymore. I want you to fish for men. So all you got to do is a lot of the techniques that you are using to fish for fish, use those techniques, but fish for people now because we want to reach the loss. So Jesus knew that the only way he can get you to do stuff is if you were already doing something. Now all he needs to do is shift you from what you were doing, what you were doing to what he needs you to do. But if you're not doing anything, it's very hard to get you up and running to do something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we, we have to, we, we have to really start looking at our spiritual heritage. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until they were given power from on high. That's Luke 24, 49. They were to go to Jerusalem in, in anticipation of the experience of, 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 of experiencing the power of the Holy Ghost. Although something special would happen there in Jerusalem, it was not meant to happen until they go. So you got to do something in order for something to happen after they were given the holy spirit they were to take the experience to the rest of the world so your heritage is important because if you start studying it what you're going to realize is what you obtained from others it is your responsibility to take it to others if somebody did something for you to get this, why are you going to just let it stop with you? How does that work? 
that someone, many, many people struggled and went through a whole lot. I mean, again, we can go to some foreigners. You know, I can go with um, my mother. My mother left me when I was, what, five years old to come to this country. And the stuff she went through to she, for her to get settled, for her to start bringing me and my brothers up so we can experience this better life that she went after to seek. Some of the struggles, I'm sure she didn't tell me everything. She told me a lot of it, but I'm sure she didn't tell me all of it. But she had to struggle all that time. When she left me at five, I came to America when I was, what, 13. So for eight years, she was trying to make a way in America so one day we can come. And some of you have that same experience where someone went ahead of you. So understanding that, my responsibility is to make sure my children experience a better life. Because someone was went before me to make sure I experienced a better life. So it's my responsibility to make sure my children experience a better life. So the bottom line is we can't allow people to go before us and get things worked out and get things ready and prepared for us. And we come and receive and say, oh, I'm good. And just let it stay right there with us. We have to pass it on so somebody else can experience it. And so their children can experience it. Our spiritual heritage should motivate us to see more of God's power than we have ever seen. So we need to see more of God's power. Check this out. John wrote that we are victorious by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Revelations chapter 12 verse 11. We are overcomers because our, because of our spiritual heritage. We are meant to find future success and more of God because of our spiritual heritage. So this is, the scripture talks about we're overcomers by the word of our testimony. If you will testify about what you have experienced, people will be overcomers. You will be an overcomer. The people before you were overcomers because they were able to make it through some difficult situation and they were able to talk about those difficult situations. They were able to pass it down to me and you. And so today when we're going through hard times, not just only the Bible says you will be okay, but you can talk to people that made it through. It's very important to understand our heritage. Our spiritual heritage should be passed down to the next generation. Here is something that's bothered me for me. I have to make sure my children are intentionally taught the word of God. I appreciate them coming to Sunday school and learning it. But I still have to have a stronger hand in making sure they know God for themselves. We have to intentionally, we, we can't just leave it to bringing them to Sunday school, bringing them to church and they go to Sunday school and they're good. As parents, we still have to have uh, more intentional uh, teaching going on in our homes and in our lives so our children, could we can pass down this thing that we have. We can't just like, okay, they go to church and that's it. No, we have to intentionally do it. Uh, if you go back in, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, it talks about what we're supposed to do, how often we're supposed to teach our children in our homes when we're sitting down, when we're laying down, and, and when we go and when we come. We're supposed to always teach them the word of God because that's how we intentionally pass it down to them. That's how they get set up for the experience that God will give them. 
Jacob had some of his own incredible experiences with God. However, the blessings of these experiences were not just realized by Jacob, but they were also passed down from the next generation. Abraham passed it down to Isaac. Isaac passed it down to Jacob. We have to pass down these experiences. Jacob passed it down to uh, his children and his grandchildren. We need to make sure our grandchildren know God. What God has done for us should be shared with others. We should seek for ways to share our spiritual experiences with others. The faith for the future is found in our spiritual heritage. Now, this is tough right here. One of the most tragic verses in the Bible is Judges chapter 2, verse 10. You make sure you make a note of that. One of the most tragic verses in the Bible is Judges chapter 2, verse 10. It states this. Also, all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. If we don't do our part, our children and grandchildren will not know God and will not know what he has done for us. Which means they will never have the opportunity to be saved if they don't know God. This is the most tragic verse of scripture. That a generation will die off and they didn't know God. Didn't know the works that God did. And that responsibility, unfortunately, is not on those generation that died off. It's on the generation before that generation. Mm-hmm. So if our children die without knowing God, it's not their fault. If our grandchildren die without knowing God, it's not their fault. It's our fault. Because we're supposed to pass it down. We're supposed to share this thing. We're supposed to give it to them. When we give it to them, they will get their own experience with God, is what, is what the scripture is teaching us. That if we will just pass it down, eventually they will get their own experience with God. They will always have that open heart. They will always have their mind seeking, whether they're doing it uh, forcefully or not. They will always have their mind saying, this, this, this could happen. You know, that could happen. They're always alert. My oldest son had some experiences with God, and he's in trouble. I always tell him because the experiences that he has had with God, he don't need no more reaffirming, don't know, need no more confirming. But he has had some experiences with God, but it didn't take him for a loop. Why? He knew about the God that his daddy served. So he knew if my dad served God and my dad is telling those stories, then one day that's possible that can happen to me, Pascal. One day that can happen to you. Rayon, one day that can happen to you. Zariah, one day that can happen to you. Jordan, one day that can happen to you. Peyton, one day that can happen to you. You know, it can happen to you one day. Sammy, that can happen to you. Why? Because your mom and dad is leading the way and they will testify of what God has done. Now, the question is, will you follow up and say, God can do that for me, too? So it can happen any day. It can happen any day. No matter how tragic, shameful, or insignificant you feel your story is, the next generation needs to know how 
God brought you through. Don't just want to tell your kids as they get older. Of course, you got to tell them according to what they can deal with mature wise. But but you let them know the good and the bad that you've gone through living for God, because that's a part of the story. Sometimes we feel ashamed or we feel like, you know, this is so bad. I don't want it. No, 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 no. We have to let them know because that's the victory that God will give us because they need to know this is going on. And God brought us through. How are they going to know what God can do if you never have any situation going on in your life? Man, I love how we are trying to reach people, but, but, but we don't want anything going wrong. You don't want anything going wrong, but you need to reach people. Listen, you won't be able to talk to nobody if your life is all perfect. You don't realize that a lot of what you're going through is so you can help somebody else. But you get so self-centered and so selfish that you get locked in on you and never stop to think that God thought enough of you to say you're strong enough. You're strong enough to handle what you're going through and you're going to make it through so you can be an example and you can teach someone else what they can do. Yeah, we don't ever think that. We just think, why is this happening? And we start point fingers and we get mad with somebody when all along God thought enough of you. Didn't he do that to Job? Just just asking. Did he think enough? Did Job do anything wrong? But but he thought enough of Job to let Job go through some stuff, right? Okay, just checking. But when we go through it. We feel like we ain't saved no more. God turned his back on us. We're not real Christians. It's because of the stuff that you did last week. It's because of the stuff you did two years ago. It's, and you just beating yourself up thinking it's because of the stuff you do while you're going through. And God is like, can you get a hold of yourself, please? Just let me do what I'm going to do. The Bible was not written by omitting the sins, the struggles, and the pain of heroes of faith. Those struggles become the very thing that brings faith into our own lives. Some of the struggles you're going to experience is for it to cause faith to build in your life. God don't want you to be weak in faith. God wants you to be strong in faith. And in order to be strong in faith, you're going to have to go through some struggles. You're going to have to experience some things that are not good. Can I tell you, uh... Please, I'm talking to somebody right now. Don't you give up in thinking that it's so bad that you can't handle it no more and you're done. Somebody hear me right now. Don't you quit on God. God is doing something in your life. And all of the things that you feel like, you know, I can't take it anymore and enough is enough. God is telling me to tell you tonight. He is working a plan in your life. Just trust him, and just like you are in your situation, he can bring you out of your situation. It is just to build your faith so you can look to him. He says you're not looking to him. You need to look to him so he's stirring things up around you, and it's not for you to walk away. It's not for you to quit, but it's for you to look to him and stop looking to everything else. The Bible is a book filled with true stories of fear and failure, of tragedy and triumph, of bad decisions and great decisions, of hatred and hope, of prejudices and promises fulfilled, all creating a backdrop of faith 
for those who are suffering from their own difficult circumstances. It is in this context that we understand how important it is for us to share our spiritual heritage with others. People need to know your spiritual heritage. They need to know what you've gone through. And if you don't go through anything, what you're going to tell them? What you going to tell them? Oh, God is going to, God is able. God, God will bless you. Okay. What did you go through and God blessed you and God brought you? What are you going to tell them? So we need to tell our children about what God has done. That's, that's letting them know about the heritage. That's letting them know what God is doing in your life. We have to do that. We can't hold back. And even when we talk with each other, Hey, I'm not telling you to go and tell people all of your business right away, but I am telling you there are times when God will allow you to tell somebody about some of your struggles and some of uh, your hurt and some of your pain just so they can be helped. Don't let your pain go for no reason. What do I mean by that? Don't allow your hurt, your frustration, all that you're going through be just for no reason. Let it help somebody. Let your frustration that you have gone through help somebody. Let your pain help somebody. Let your challenging relationship help somebody. Let your children being crazy help somebody. Just let what you're going through help somebody. If you go through it and you do nothing about it, then you didn't help nobody. And what what, what God intended to happen didn't happen. Mm -hmm. What God intended to happen, not to mention, sometimes you get people talking, and you'd rather them hear it from you than hear from others, because when they hear from others, they don't hear it right. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Hear it from me. Don't go, don't go to other places. You come and talk to me about something. Come and talk to me about me. Because when I get done talking to you, you're going to look to Jesus. But when you hear that stuff out there, they're going to tell it a different way. They're not telling it to, 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 to get somebody encouraged or to get somebody to overcome their situation. They're telling it to make themselves look better. But if you tell your story, you're telling your story so God can get the glory. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So you don't be embarrassed. The only thing that should embarrass you is if you allow your situation to cause you to walk away from God and you're walking away from God. That's, that's, now that's the embarrassing thing that we can get over, obviously, because God wants to get us back. But that's the only time you should be challenged is when it caused you to be apart from God, and now you're struggling and, you know, all those things. But, man, there is nothing better than when you have gone through a situation and you repent and you get back on track. Man, you know how many people you can help? Go back and read Psalms 51, because I don't think we read it all together how we need to read it. David said this. I told somebody this the other day. David said this, that all of the repentance that he's done I'm paraphrasing. He says, now I can teach others not to do what I've done. That's when you have gone through something and overcome 
Then when you have overcome, you can help somebody else overcome. That's how you walk in what we like to call walking in repentance. When you walk in repentance, you're constantly trying to help somebody not to fall into the sin you have fell into. You're constantly trying to help people not to go down the wrong road you went down. That's when you're walking in your repentance. That's what keep you from going back down that road. When you can begin to minister to people and help people to not do what you've done or to fall in the same situation you fell or to go through the things that you've gone through. That's when you're now being effective. But if you want to walk around like you got it all together, you're not being effective. I said a long time ago, I always tell my wife this. I thank God for all of my uh, marital struggles and challenges because I don't know no perfect marriage in this hour. All the perfect marriages are done. I'm telling the truth. We had some old school marriages that was just, you might as well call them perfect. I know they weren't like all the way perfect, but they were just that good. I mean, there's some old school, it was good, solid. Wife was tremendous. Husband was tremendous. They knew how to make it all work, and it was beautiful. Those days are gone. And so if I'm going to help the people in our church, I had to have some struggles in my marriage. So if you come with your struggle, I said, come on, let's talk. Because here's what happened with me, and here's how it went. But if it's perfect, you're going to leave sooner or later. He don't understand. Him and his wife sitting up there, it's all good. Look at them. She's just perfect. He just got it all. It's working all good. They can't deal with that because nowadays nothing, when it comes out of relationship, man. <laughs> so instead of me crying about, man, I'm a preacher. My marriage should have been perfect. <laughs> I just laugh. And I said, God, you the man. You you give me children. You give me uh, marriage and everything. And, and give me all these challenges and just keep working to make it good in my life. And so I'm able to sit down and talk with anybody about anything. <laughs> I can talk about how to raise a 27-year-old, 26-year-old. I can talk about how to raise a 7-year-old. Don't mess with me. I can talk about when the marriage is crazy, how to keep it stable. I can talk about how it's good. Oh, man, I, I thank God for all of it. Took me a while to get to that place, but I know it now. I know all those things and all those challenges. We, this is when we go back to that Romans 8, 28. For we know all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are called according to his purpose. And so we can't just quote those things when our life is going good. We got to quote those things when we're going through it to say, God, it's going to be all right. I know it will be all right because that's just how you operate. A few years ago, a dad and his son stayed up into the early hours of the morning talking about a variety of topics. In particular, they discussed the lives of their relatives and ancestors. The dad talked specifically about his own father who had died at an early age. The grandfather had been born in Jerusalem. He was a Jew, eventually migrating to the United States in the 1920s. His life was littered with mistakes. That ultimately landed him in a federal prison in Marion, Illinois. He had been convicted of racketeering and bootlegging alcohol during the prohibition. 
He was involved in other things that were less than honorable. A Jew. As the dad and son talked further, it was explained how the grandfather had gotten into fights. His body bruised from blows received and how he had been dumped into a pig pen and left for dead. A Jew that migrated. In addition, his back displayed deep scars from a time he had been tied to a post and brutally beaten because he had mistreated several women. Not only did his body bear physical scars while he was alive, but his mind likely bore the scars of the memories of such a rough and tough life. But today, those scars are not merely a story of shame, hatred, guilt, and pain. Instead, those scars tell a very significant story, a story of a young Jewish man who, after being released from prison, carried his life full of wounds and heartache into an apostolic church. There he heard the gospel preach and decided to give his life to Jesus Christ. He was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Lord placed the divine call on his life. He became a preacher of the gospel. He began traveling across the country, starting churches and telling a significant story of hope, mercy, grace, forgiveness, and the power of the cross. His story, one that could have just been another wounded spirit, embattled and bittered and bound by wounds of the past, became a beautiful testimony that had powerful impact on his generation. But one of the greatest impacts his life has had had been on his son who knew him briefly and his grandchildren who have now only heard his story. They never met him. Though his, though his was a life so rough and broken, it had become a legacy of hope and mercy. His story has become a great spiritual heritage to a family. The man that came over in the twenties and messed his life up and became a a preacher, his son became a preacher, and now his grandchildren will probably become a preacher. But he went around and told the story of what happened to him. A lot of times we're worried about the story thinking that we're going to be ashamed. We're going to be, you know, embarrassed and all of these things. But God allowed that man to tell his story where it impacted so many lives. So how will people remember your story? What's your story? What kind of spiritual heritage will you pass along to your children or to anybody else? Will your life just be littered with wounds you never raised above? Remember I told you about that? Hurt, wounds, situation that you just kept talking about and you never raised above it. And if you just keep talking about it, you won't have a story of overcoming Will your life just be littered with wounds you never raised above? Will your life just be a constant reminder of people who hurt you? We got to get over people that hurt us. Or will your life tell a significant story? Let your life tell a story of hope and redemption that will change your family's legacy. When your grandchildren dig into the genealogy of your life, 
Let them find a story of forgiveness, redemption, and mercy. How do you want to be remembered? That's my final question for you tonight. How do you want to be remembered? Is this thing just a religious thing for you? You just do your thing? But nothing being passed down to anyone? Or is this serious enough to you to know you're not going to allow yourself to be the generation that died and those that came after you didn't know Jesus because of you? Will your children, will your grandchildren come into this world and not know Jesus because of you? Anybody have any questions tonight? Any questions? Any thoughts on anything we shared here tonight? No? Everybody good? The heritage of your faith. You got it. You you have a heritage, but what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Let's pray. Jesus, you are wonderful and you're kind. Lord, we're so grateful of all of the many opportunities.